his kingdom comes as we experience his transforming love in our lives and begin as his people to live in his righteousness, not our own. And today we gather together to worship the God of who, whose love is transforming for each and every one of us and who brings righteousness into our lives and who fills us and equips us and empowers us to accomplish his will and purpose, his kingdom coming now. Welcome to worship at First Baptist Clinton this morning. We are glad you're here today as we worship together. If you're a guest this morning, thank you for choosing to worship with us today. Uh, we have a connection card in the worship program. Just ask you to please consider filling it out or you may provide the same information by texting new to FBC at 97,000 as it's on the screen for you. We are a praying people. Let me just encourage you to share prayer requests with us. It's the backside of the slip. And, that, and um, we worship through giving at the end of our worship time. So the ushers will be at the door. As you leave, just place the slip of paper in the offering plate as you, as you go out uh, this morning um, into our community to be his witnesses and to proclaim his truth through the lives we live and the words we speak. So now I think it's time for the, for the body gathered. Come, Christians, join to sing. Let's all stand together.
Morning. I'm Tom Dean. Name's on the deal. You know, you don't call deacons enough. Howard had stores last week. I don't have anything quite that exciting. I did help clean some gutters out and some cows or something one time. But call us if you need us. We're here to help. Also, Randy talked about in the bulletin there, the, my story in here. Take time to read that. Maybe not during the sermon, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Brad, for doing that. It's a, it's a good story. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pause, Lord. We thank you for everything we have that comes from you. We thank you for this place we can meet and worship you. We thank you for our staff and everyone that's here, Lord. We just pray that you be with us and be in one accord. And if anyone does not know his Lord and Savior, this would be the time they would accept you. And just forgive us where you f we failed you, and just thank you for everything. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing for our gospel reading this morning. You all will recognize this. We just heard this passage a couple of weeks ago, the uh, story of the Good Samaritan. Daryl Missy challenged us, and uh, this just happens to fall this week as a reminder to us uh, to um, make sure that we don't look past our neighbors, and that we love them. Um, let's be reminded of that as we read. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Luke 10, 25 through 37. Amen. You may be seated. Together in 
creation now revealed in you our Christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, you silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You
all stand together and read our psalm aloud. This is Psalm 82. And in this psalm, God reminds us just as he did in the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, he loves um, the weak and those that we often as a society cast off as not important. Let's read together. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Psalm 82. Well, we started out this morning with the song, Let Your Kingdom Come. Sometimes we think of God's kingdom as being something that's um, heaven after we die. Um, but we have the opportunity to bring, to help usher in his kingdom here on earth as we uh, serve and love others. So let's sing this together.
Amen. You may be seated. Let his kingdom come. So this morning I express my gratitude to um, Roy and Wanda Batchelet for 30 years role modeling long-term marriage for us. Roy and Wanda, thank you. Thank you. Um, Tom's already mentioned Bradley's story, um, but and it, it's okay to read it while I'm doing the sermon, by the way, if you choose to do that. But more importantly, I, I just want to remind you, you know, for a long time I've said, write your story, tell your story, share your story, because the saddest moment is when, you, when I sit with a family and they don't know your story. So here's your opportunity. You write it, Sandy will edit it, <laughs> and we will print it, all right? So just uh, give consideration to writing your story, the brief of your story. Obviously, there's much more to Brad's story than what is, what is written here, but, but just the, the brief of your story. Um, and your story could be in next week's program. Just a thought, send it to Sandy, at firstbaptistclinton.church. All right? So now you, have, now you have opportunity to make your story known as well. From time to time, I have the opportunity of asking people um, uh, where, where uh, do you worship or do you worship with a, a church in Clinton? And many times, many times people will respond to me, well, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spirit, but I'm a, but I am a spiritual person. And I say to them, me too, because you know I, I'm not particularly a religious person, but I am a spiritual person. Which reality is, when they say this to me, that's just code for I do not want to talk to you about your church. That's, I mean, I, I understand that, um, but. Sometimes those conversations go just a little bit further, and I love it when they do. Because when the conversation goes a little further, what we realize is that their definition of a spiritual person is very self-centered. And my definition of a, of a spiritual person is a person who is centered in Christ. And a lot of people claim spirituality that has nothing to do with Jesus. Well, Paul helps us understand truly spiritual people in his letter of, to the of, of 1 Corinthians. So I, this morning, I just want us to take a look at these verses um, actually, we're going to look at lots of verses this morning, but just to get you started on, on these three. So Paul wrote, writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So two quick observations out of these, out of these verses from Paul. The first is, we can be deceived about spirituality. The Corinthians were deceived about spirituality. They had experienced it in their past. They were in the midst of being confused about spirituality at that very time when Paul was writing to them. Um, and so, and some of them thought they were super spiritual and, and some of, and so nobody else understood uh, like they understood. We can be deceived about spirituality. The second thing uh, in the second observation, it comes from verse three. True spiritual, spirituality is connected to the Holy Spirit who is at work in us. That's the essence of verse three. First Corinthians describes the spiritual person as a follower of Jesus who nurtures unity in the church and influences the expansion of the gospel in the community. So before we, before we get into the spiritual gifts um, week after next, because we have something special for you again next week. Just leave that hanging out there for you to wonder what's coming. So uh, before we get into the, to walk through the spiritual gifts, I need to, to reset the context for us so that, we, so that we see where, how Paul gets to chapter 12 with regard to his teaching on the, on the Holy Spirit. And so it started actually back in chapter one, where he uh, begins to introduce us to the idea of what it means to be a spiritual person. So I remind you that we do not lack what we need individually or collectively to accomplish God's mission for us. Namely, that mission is making disciples who make disciples. Okay, so it doesn't end just with making a disciple is making disciples who make disciples. Early on, Paul wrote this to them in um, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. For in him we have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with knowledge, thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who, call, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul speaks of spiritual gifts early in this letter and he says that the church that'd be us in this room, as well as the people in Corinth. Every spiritual gift that we need individually and collectively to accomplish his mission has already been placed among us. That's what makes First Baptist Clinton unique and different from every other church on the planet. Because every church in reality is unique and different because God brings together this unique set of giftedness, 
which is only to be found in this particular body. And he says, you have everything you need to accomplish the mission. And he talks about this fellowship that we have with Christ. The fellowship we have with Christ is, is as Jesus described it in his prayer in John chapter 17, verse 21. Jesus, Jesus said, Father, just as you and I are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe you have sent me. Jesus said, you have a bond as a follower of Jesus. You have a bond with Jesus, which is, which is grace-filled. See, the bond we have with Jesus is just like the bond Jesus and the Father have with each other. And when God works his gifts in the life of the church and out of this fellowship, out of this bond, we, a spiritual person has a bond with Jesus, which is grace-enriched, chapter 1, verse 5, which is grace-equipped, chapter 1, verse 7, and which is grace-empowered, chapter 1, verse 8. So we have this unique bond in Jesus Christ. We... We have, we have everything we need. So, on the screen is a number, 411. Some people use that still, but it's, it's a directory assistance number. It's the, it's the number you called when you needed, when you needed to, to know someone. You need to get information about them. Well, what I want you to know is that we have the 411. We have, because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And we have the mind of Christ. And as the Holy Spirit is at work in us, he will, he equips us to do everything that we need to accomplish his purpose. And he leads us to the people who need to know Jesus, who need to hear our story. He, he gives us everything we need to find and rescue the lost people in our lives and in our, our community. Because we can share our witness which he empowers. So in, verse, in chapter 1, Paul just reminded us that a spiritual person is bound with Jesus, has a bond with Jesus, which is grace-enriched, grace-equipped, and grace-empowered. In chapter 2, Paul wrote, My message and my preaching is not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest in human wisdom, but on God's power. Chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Spirituality is not a matter of human definition, but of God's revelation. These are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Paul said in chapter 2, verse 10, 
verse 9, he calls attention to the fact that the pathway to becoming a spiritual person is loving God. If you want to be a spiritual person, it starts by loving God. And we love God by loving Jesus. So, and the process, the process for becoming a spiritual person is receiving the Holy Spirit. Paul said in verse 12, what we have received is not the spirit of of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand that what God has freely given to us. So the person, the person with the spirit, as Paul identified in verse 15, the person with the spirit defines a person, the spiritual person, as a person who has the mind of Christ. So how do you get the mind of Christ? You get the mind of Christ by becoming a a committed follower of Jesus and receiving the the filling of the Holy Spirit into your life. He also contrasts in chapter 2 the person without the Spirit which defines a natural person, a person who is not yet a follower of Jesus. And you and I have the opportunity of encountering people every day who are not yet followers of Jesus. In fact, we may have some people in the room this morning or joining us online who are not yet followers of Jesus. Paul just describes them as natural people, the natural person, because the natural person does not follow Jesus. Now, many People who are natural people claim to be spiritual people because they want to connect with some, as Paul said in chapter 1, some false idol, some false religion, some false thought. The person, a spiritual person, chapter 2, the spiritual person has the mind of Christ which gives them the capacity to know God and to know him better and is a committed follower of Jesus. So it is, it is this commitment to follow Jesus that makes you and me a spiritual person. You can use a 311 if you need some local inf- information, if you just need some, some word about, uh, 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 to find out something about what's something that's uh, occurring in the community, uh, non-emergency kind of stuff, you can use a, you can use a 311. Well, because, because we have the mind of Christ, we have the 311. We have the 311 for our community because we have the mind of Christ. And as a committed follower of Jesus Christ in this community, we are, we are the community's resource for getting to know God and getting to know him better. And Paul, Paul, in chapter 3, Paul introduces the worldly person. Now, the worldly person is a problem. 
a real problem. Was a real problem at Corinth is a real problem today. The worldly person is a believer, follower of Jesus, but they're thinking and behaving like the world. So they are compromising the witness of every other follower of Jesus. They are compromising the witness of the church in the community. The, the, worldly, the worldly person is, as Paul described them, they are, they are of the flesh in verse 3. They are controlled by their natural instincts and desires. Their tendencies, which are basically self-centered, I remind you, these are people who claim to be followers of Jesus and who probably are followers of Jesus. They've just forgotten what it means to be a follower of Jesus and they've stepped back into the world. And the reason they're a problem is because they don't get it. And one of those worldly people may be sitting next to you. Or it may be you. Because, because you're still thinking and behaving like a person who's not yet a follower of Jesus. Paul, to, to, this, to this group of people, Paul writes this. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Get this, mere infants in Christ. A lot of times the reason people are worldly is because they've not grown up. They were birthed, but they didn't grow. Paul goes on to say, you are still, um, I gave you milk, not solid food, but you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready for it, that solid food. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. So, I'll just let Paul warn you this morning. Paul warned the worldly person against such behavior, against behaviors which disrupt the unity of the church and co or compromise the witness of the church in the community. This is how he put it. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, they will, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred. And you together, that's the church, you together are that temple. In chapter 3, a spiritual person develops unity in the church and dispatches the gospel to the community. And that's where, that's where we have the 911. Now, the 911 
doesn't help you at all. The 911 simply dispatches help you need. So when you dial 911, all they, all they do is send the people who can help you. <laughs> the people who can help this community are sitting in this room. And the Holy Spirit dispatches us as his followers to the urgent needs of people in our community. Let's see. We live in a community. Where people need to be saved. Where people need Jesus. And we, and we live in a community where saved people need to live like saved people. That's it. So he tells us this. That's what he tells us in chapter 3. In chapter 6, he continues with this reminder that what you are is the foundation of how you must behave. Paul put it this way, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, the problem was they were not living as they were, as, as he had been created. And that's chapter 6, verse 11. Paul goes on to tell them later in chapter 6, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have received from God? Are you, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, and that Christ is the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, as a believer in Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not mine. I'm not my own. I'm his. Because I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus a spirit, in chapter 6, a spiritual person honors God and helps others get to know Jesus. That's the 211. 211 leads people to the essential services in a community. You see, we are the 211 in this community. We are the people who have what, it, what is required to bring transformation to this city, and hopefully it would spill over to other cities until, until our nation was different. You see, we the people of the pew are the people who can bring transformation to this city because we, we are this essential service. So a 
spiritual person, a true spiritual person, has a bond with Jesus, which is grace-enriched and grace-equipped and grace-empowered, a true spiritual person has the mind of Christ, which gives them the capacity to know God and to know him better and is a committed follower of Jesus. A spiritual person develops unity in the church and dispatches the gospel in the community. A truly spiritual person honors God and helps others get to know God. Are you a true spiritual person? Truly a spiritual person? Yeah, are you? See, there's another number. It's a 511. The 511 provides you information about hazards which may be ahead of you. Traffic information, general transportation information. It's the mission of the church to make the hazards known. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, ahead of you is a tremendous hazard. And that hazard is a forever life separated from God. But if you are a follower of Jesus and a worldly person, there's a hazard in front of you as well. Paul said, you make it in, but it's just by the skin of your teeth. You see, it's through the flame. There's no joy in that, by the way. Because what he offers us is the best possible life now and a life that lasts forever. So it's time for his church filled with his spirit possessing all of the gifts necessary to accomplish its mission to rise up and to be truly spiritual people in this community. By the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, not yet a follower of Jesus, here's the way around your hazard. Jesus. If we confess our sin, Repentant hearts, acknowledging Jesus as the Lord of our lives, we receive his forgiveness, and we are set upon a new course. From death to life that lasts forever. So if you're here this morning in the room, and you need to confess Jesus as Lord, we invite you to come now. If you're looking for a church home, we exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come now and join with us in the mission. If you join us online, 
I invite you this morning to go to our website, firstbaptistclinton.church, and click the I want Jesus in my life button in order for us to have begin this conversation of how you can have the best possible life now and a life that lasts forever. Or you may text or call me at my personal number, 660-890-4150. If you're in the room, we invite you, please stand as we sing. Just step out and come to the front and share with us any decision you need to make this morning.